Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. It's almost the end of March. We're getting through it. A year plus now of COVID, lockdowns, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how you guys are feeling. I'm not quite ready to get back out there yet still. I don't know why. Like, I haven't had any shots yet. I'm not eligible until April here in Massachusetts. My wife has had one. A lot of people around me have had, some have had two. A lot of people have had one at least. So it's great progress. It feels good. It feels like we're getting somewhere. I don't know, just because the vaccine exists, just because some of us have had it, just because you've had one shot, doesn't mean you're immune. doesn't mean this thing's gone. And the thing that freaks me out is, you know, I got two kids. So it's not just like once we get the shots, everything's great. It's like kids aren't eligible for it ever at this point. I don't know when that's going to change or what that's going to look like, but that's still kind of eating away at me and I'm I'm trying to figure that out. But in the meantime, I'm I'm having fun here at home. <laughs> you know, I've been tapping my maple trees for the first time and making maple syrup. I've boiled down seven different times now, something like 70 or so gallons of raw sap turns into seven quarts of finished syrup, so not so much, but it's been awesome. I've got some mushrooms growing in my basement. My friend of Fat Moon Mushrooms gave me a grow block that she's now selling. So I've been doing that as well. And just trying to keep sane, just trying to stay busy. So it feels like there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I'm so heartbroken for all the families that have been affected by this and just, you know, the death and the illness. And we don't know where this is all going to go and what it's all going to mean for people, you know? Who knows? But feels like we might be nearing the end, and that is a very good feeling. Andre Como is my guest today. Andre was part of the original cast of MTV's The Real World back in 1992. There were seven strangers that lived for three months in a New York City apartment. They had their lives taped. They got edited and <laughs> broadcast to MTV. And in a lot of ways, reality TV was born, you know? That's sort of the version of reality TV that I think of and the version that I like to romanticize, I guess, and even sort of define the genre by is this sort of cinema verite style of just watching people live their lives and seeing what happens. You know, when reality TV got deployed to talk about shows like Survivor and American Idol and all that in the early 2000s, I was like, that's not reality TV. The real world's reality TV. So I grew up watching the real world. I was excited to talk to Andre. What's even cooler, not only was he part of the original cast back in 1992, but he and his castmates from that original New York season have now reunited, and there is a show called The Real World Homecoming that is streaming on Paramount+, Plus, which is Paramount's new streaming service that just launched this month, I think. Uh, but it's a six-part series where all of the original roommates get back together and live actually in the same loft that they had lived in back in 1992. Of course, they're much older and from a very different life place, but it still very much feels like the real world. So it's wild just to watch that series and to sort of see how things have changed and, and how familiar it all feels. But it was great talking to Andre, too, and just sort of understanding, you know, he's been dealing with this now for almost 30 years of just figuring out <laughs> what impact did that show and, and his cast have on the world. They really started this whole genre in a lot of ways. And what does that mean? 
And what does it feel like to be on the other side of that, to be just a regular person that had your life taped? So I was fascinated to talk to him about that. I was fascinated to talk about Homecoming. And by the way, if you're a Paramount Plus subscriber, you can watch every season of The Real World. They're all up there. So if you want to go back and watch the original New York season, you can. San Francisco, Boston, New Orleans, Hawaii, so many great seasons. So yeah, I definitely, I related a lot to the New York cast. I remember a lot of them. I didn't watch the show when it originally aired, but I had seen it years later. And it was fun to go back and look at it and especially to see what they've done with the real world homecoming. So go check that out on Paramount+. Plus. Here it is, my conversation with Andre Como. So I want to get to the real world in a minute, but I want to start by just asking about this crazy past year of COVID. What's uh, what's this pandemic time been like for you? It's been pretty crazy. Uh, you know, my wife and I have a uh, four-year-old uh-huh. and our uh, daycare was closed in uh, March as well, you know, which was in my wife's building where she works. Mm. So she started working from home. I've been working from home for the last 12, 15 years. So to me, the shift of, you know, that it wasn't really a much of a uh, an adjustment for me, but it, getting her situated and accustomed to working from home was a process. And then having a toddler running around uh, while trying to get our work done um, in the daytime also presented its challenges. We were able to finally enroll her in a new preschool around September. Uh, which helped immensely. So after then, you know, I mean, thankfully, uh, it sort of eased up a little. But to be perfectly honest, we've been incredibly lucky. Yeah. You know, both of us are still painfully employed. I'm knocking on wood. We're not struggling the the way that some of our friends are. And um, I know that it's incredibly difficult for some people. Um, Also, we were lucky enough to catch this COVID extremely early on before we even knew what it was oh wow we caught it in february the second week in february to be exact had we known that it it was what it was at the height of the scare i think it would have been much worse frankly i think that the stress alone given that we are kind of remote out here in los angeles apart from our families, yeah, that alone, you know, the, the stress of knowing that it was in fact COVID and, you know, the, the scare of it and, you know, having probably most likely having to quarantine, you know, with our, even with our child apart from us. I mean, the whole thing would have been a disaster and it happened even a couple of weeks later yeah. than it did. I mean, as for my own part, I, I thought I just had, the worst flu of my life and food poisoning on top of it, given that all of my symptoms, they really, you know, they were pretty severe, but you know, I just assumed because I've never had a flu accompanied with GI symptoms the way that I did. Hey, this is like way too much information. I don't even <laughs> no, it's fa- like the, the COVID stuff to me is just wild, especially like sort of not knowing like yeah, what it was at that exactly. point. And you know, here I am sick, sicker than I've ever been in my life. And I'm watching the news hearing about this terrible uh, sickness going on in China. And I'm like, well, that sounds bad. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> like, I know, just got the flu Meanwhile, Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, I'm uh, racked with it myself. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I hope I don't get that. 
Yeah. <laughs> did, did all three of you have it or was it just we you? Did. We oh, did. Man. We all caught it. And, you know, luckily my daughter was able to kick it within a matter of four, five days. And meanwhile, my wife and I had it for a good two and a half, three weeks. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And then it wasn't until weeks later as the symptoms became more widely reported and, and you know it was obviously it was a learning curve i mean there's no one knew right. what it was and so you know i'm just going down the list of symptoms checking every box going okay that 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 but i don't see any symptoms about gi i wonder what what that's all about and then you know come to find out that's also a symptom, just not widely as experienced or as reported. And right. I mean, literally, it's clear to me. I, I, I did not even get to a hospital. I mean, none of us went to a hospital, but we had pneumonia and, you know, the whole we ran the gamut of the symptoms yeah. and just all of them. So. Did you do like the antibody test afterward? Like how did you, did you I just did, confirm it was COVID? Okay, yeah. I, I did, but I mean, it, it, it is officially unconfirmed because even when I did finally go in for my yearly appointment at my doctor, she was like, yeah, it's, you're not going to see these uh, antibodies because it's been over seven months since you mm -hmm. had it. So it's probably you know, chances are it's going to come up negative. And she was right, came up yeah. negative. Wow. But I'm quite certain of what it was. I've never felt like that before. I've never had that kind of a cough and everything else just adds up to one answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I went through that with swine flu back in whatever it was, like 09 or something, where I just, I was knocked out for like two or three weeks and never had the official test. I went to the doctor like once or twice in that time. And I was like, shouldn't you be like testing for that? Like, don't you have to report that to the CDC? And they're like, no, you probably have it. And I just, I will always <laughs> tell people I had swine flu, but like it was never confirmed in a test, but yeah, just checked all the boxes. And, and sometimes, like, you know, even, even at the time, like had there, there wasn't even a test when I had it. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, even if they did, uh, the testing was fairly inaccurate on those, at those early stages as I say, I'm pretty certain of it because it's just, I can add and, right. and it, you know what I mean? It's, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. One totally. answer. Right. Yeah. 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 But as I say, we're extremely fortunate and it could have been much worse. Yeah. Are you still working as a musician? Is that like your day job or? I, well, no, I, I work in music publishing as a, as my day job. I gotcha. run the creative department at a music publisher. Oh, cool. I've been doing that, you know, for about, 15 years gosh has it been that long yeah <laughs> you know i've been working in you know music publishing music supervision for the last 20 years and i am still a music artist but i i really don't you know they're, they're, i i tried to keep them pretty separate yeah you know i don't work my own music uh, as as an artist I, I i like to do things just for myself and not sure. i don't I, I i don't really like to blur that line yeah. You know? Well, that, I know like for artists, they've been struggling just, you know, without being able to do live shows and that sort of stuff. Like it's been such a such a tough thing. It has. So I released a new record in June of 2020. We were, you know, we were actually scheduled to release it in March. Uh -huh. And it's my first album back to, you know, heavy rock music. We had, you know, as I say, planned it to release it in, in March. We postponed it and postponed it. Finally, by June and July, I was like, I can't hold on to this any longer. We got to put it out. I, you know, 
so we put it out hoping that there would be some end to this uh, uh, shutdown. Right. And it wasn't to be. So we just went right back into the studio and started working on the next one, on the follow-up. And we're getting ready to release that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Yeah, the single comes out in the next week or so, a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, And uh, the the album will uh, soon follow. Yeah, there was just no other way around it. We had to keep moving forward and keep the forward momentum. So we just went in and started recording a new one. Uh, I have no shortage of songs. So it's not like uh, that was a problem for me, but um, I just, you know, I wanted to just keep moving forward. Yeah. So that's, that's what we did. I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing during this time. It's just, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't keep waiting. Cause at some point, even the whole pandemic, it was like, it was going to be two weeks and then it was going to be a month and a half. And the, you know, like exactly at a certain point, you got to just do what you got to do. Well, that's exactly right. We were uh, postponing the release for what ended up being probably about three, three and a half months. Yeah. And at that point I just literally said to my label, I don't want to wait anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. Put it out. And, you know, we will either get the opportunity to promote it or not. And just go back into the studio and start working on something else. I couldn't wait anymore. Yeah. People got to hear it. Well, yeah. I want to ask about, you know, this other project and this other part of your life, uh, the real world, obviously. And, you know, there's this new uh, this new batch of shows, Homecoming, that are on Paramount Plus now, where you and the original cast members from the, the first season, the New York season, get back together in the original loft. Like, when you first got approached with that idea, and this all happened in the height of the pandemic, like, what was your reaction? What What made you want to be involved in this again? It was pretty crazy. Uh, it was December of 2020. So the cast, my cast members and I, have been communicating intermittently via uh, a running text thread. Uh And, you know, it's always nice to hear from them. And we just kind of talk about what's going on. Nothing really, you know, just kind of keeping in touch, really. Yeah. And we received a text, I guess, from Eric saying, hey, they're talking about a reunion, you know, heads up or something. And, so he'd, he'd heard about uh, and it I first. Call, yeah. yeah. And then I got a call from Kevin saying, yeah, they just called me. Looks like they're they're going to be doing a reunion. And I didn't receive a call. So I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I guess they're not. I guess I'm left out of this It'd be one. be six strangers uh, on this one, yeah. Because I've chosen to not participate in some of the reunions. And I think that it, you know, some in some ways, uh, I was a little nervous that, you know, they just gave up on me yeah. and stopped uh, <laughs> stopped offering me the opportunity. But uh, lo and behold, they, they did call and I got a chance to speak to the casting director who let me know that, you know, the concept of the show, bringing the original cast and only the original cast together, yeah. which was always one of the main sticking points for not participating in previous reunions was they often would bring multiple casts together, yeah. you know, and I'll just, that's not, not that I have anything against any other cast. I really don't, but it's not something I really want to participate in. I like my cast. I like the people. I enjoy what we did as the first season. And that's it. You know, other than that, I, I really uh, I'm not really interested in participating in a multi-season sort of uh, uh, function. 
so anyways, uh, when they told me what they were planning on doing, you know, bringing the originals together and actually living together and filming it, uh, much like the uh, original season, I thought, well, that sounds like a whole lot of fun. But we'll see if it actually happens because, you know, there, there are so many hurdles they need to, to jump before this thing can actually happen, sure. including getting everyone on board, including doing it in, you know, the time of COVID, including just everything from A to Z. So we'll see if it happens. And, y- you know, they, they, they did it. And uh, in record time, I can't believe the uh the speed that they got this uh whole thing together in and i was thrilled to be a part of it yeah and it's in the same loft that you lived in you know whatever 29 30 years ago right which we didn't know until they actually dropped us off there to start filming they kept us in the dark about where we were going to be filming the show during quarantine beforehand during the negotiations, they did not divulge where we were going to be shooting the the show at. Uh, so so cool. to find out that it was the the actual original loft was a blast and really added to the nostalgia uh, of the of the project. What was that experience like of walking in the? Fr- I mean, obviously, like when you pull up on the street, you sort of know you're there. But like once you get inside, and you know, it's it's been updated, but it still has. It still has a feel of the old style. Oh, you know. unquestionably, so many things were exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was it was wild. The you know I liken it to um, going to a school that you've graduated from many years ago and looking around and, and knowing that so many things have stayed the same while you've changed. Right. That's really how I see it and how I how I felt. It, it had that same sort of familiar quality to it that was you know very welcoming and um nostalgic you know right just it was it was great it was great what about like seeing the cat it's the first time all seven of you have been together since 92 93 right correct yes yeah it was great you know we as i mentioned we've We've all kept in touch, um, and being, I, you know, I live in uh, in LA, which is very much a destination city. Everyone occasionally visits Los Angeles, so when anybody's in town, I usually get the call, the text, and I try to see them when they're in town. Yeah. Same goes for New York. I travel to New York frequently, and whenever I'm there, I reach out to Kevin. I reach out to Heather, who are still in the New York area. And uh, and I try to make it a point to see them when I'm there. So I've, I've definitely seen everyone over the years uh, many times, but it was the first time that all of us were to be together since the early 90s. That's correct. Yeah, which is wild. I wonder, too, just that bond of like, you know, that that first season was over the course of like three months, right? Correct. Like just when I think about anything else in my life that lasted three months, like maybe the closest thing is like, you know, like a summer camp or something like that where, you, you, you know, you make friends and you feel really close in the moment and maybe you stay in touch for like a year or two after that. But like, you know, you sort of you fall away from these people once that thing that you had in common sort of goes away. And I wonder what it is that has kept that bond over, you know, 30 years. Well, I'd say the thing that really kept us bonded 
was the cultural impact that the show actually had, mm. given the fact that, you know, we're so often reminded of it, whether we like it or not, <laughs> it'll always be the, the thing that, you know, people want to ask about, talk sure. about. I, I'm in the grocery store and someone says, wait a minute, I know you, you're so-and-so, and, and they want to talk about it, they want to ask about it. So, you know, that will always keep us very, very close, besides the fact that I honestly do truly like all of them. And that, you know, that helps a lot. Yeah. Because if I didn't enjoy their company, I would probably not want to participate in, in the, the functions that deal with real world, regardless of the impact or the, you know, all of the, the hoopla right. that surrounds it. If I if I really wasn't enjoying their company, I, I, I wouldn't participate. Yeah. Well, I wonder, too, just, you know, being back together, like when you shot the original series, you guys were all in your 20s. I guess Julie was 19, but, you know, the rest of you were all in your 20s. Yeah, no, we were just in our early 20s. I had just turned 21. Heather had just turned 21. Wow. Eric was, I believe, uh, turned 21 during the filming of the show. Yeah, we were really in our, you know, very early 20s, yeah. uh, just coming into our own. So like to go from that, like that life place to where you guys are now and, you know, like seeing you FaceTime with your daughter or Julie FaceTime with her kids or things like that from the loft. And like, I just feel like that the show is sort of about forcing you know, different relationships and tensions and things just because, you know, the bedrooms are all shared and, you know, the space is small and whether that's romantic or whether that's, you know, just uh, butting heads, whatever, like there's a certain dynamic. And, and part of that, I think, is just being young and single in your, in, in your early 20s. Like, was that uh, stepping back into that place now, you know, <laughs> as an older married man with a daughter? Like, was that <laughs> weird for any of you guys? Sure, sure. It was, it was, yes, to answer your question, yes, it was, it was strange. And it would have been, I'm sure, more difficult had it lasted longer than a week. Yeah. But it was also, it was easy. Yeah. It was not difficult. You're comfortable with it. It's, it's like a family reunion almost. Exactly. It's exactly what it was because we are in many ways a family. Right. So it was, it was familiar. It was comfortable. A little strange. Just, revisiting that part of my life. So um, I hadn't watched the, the show since it originally aired uh -huh. at all, literally at all. I don't have cable. I hadn't watched it uh, since the, you know, uh, early 90s when it right. originally aired. And my wife, being considerably younger than I am, had never seen it. Yeah. She'd seen clips, uh, but w never watched the show from beginning to end. So we, when we were discussing the possibility of this reunion happening. I made it a point to sit down and watch the show from beginning to end. Yeah. And, um, I was so pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, given how the, the years, what reality TV became, right. Uh, what the subsequent seasons uh, uh, of the show, while I'd never watched, you know, a whole, even a whole episode, I knew what it was. Right. And I knew people, you know, uh, would tell me about it. And uh, so much of that colored my perception of what even my season was right. uh, like. 
it became more performative. People sort of knew what they were in for and, and maybe played into certain stereotypes or, you know, Correct. certain roles. Correct. Yeah, sure. And and frankly, I think that, you know, the show, the production company really changed what they were searching for in casting after my season. Yeah. I don't think that they really were going for the same thing in subsequent seasons as they went for with, with my cast. Right. You know, we were all uh, artists uh, to, to, to some degree, you know, with, with our careers very much in motion when we entered that space. Right. Not really, uh, none of us, and I, and I do truly mean that, none of us thought that this was going to be the cultural explosion that happened none of us anticipated anything like that and reality tv really became a thing right and it didn't even exist uh before us so it was crazy and uh, i think that you know the years had definitely changed my own thoughts and perception of what i originally uh participated in so when i did get the chance to to watch it from beginning to end again i was so surprised and so pleasantly surprised that how much i enjoyed it how much uh i really think that what we did was you know uh, uh more substantive than what is currently mostly uh produced um on the in the reality tv landscape sure and so, uh, you know, that was a wonderful uh, revelation to me that, you know, hey, this wasn't the beginning <laughs> of, uh, I mean, even if it was the beginning of what it turned into, what we were actually aspiring to was much greater. So yeah. that was a, a pleasant revelation to me. Yeah. Well, I feel like one of the things that the show, at least, you know, when I was growing up, like I, I was in the kind of Hawaii, Seattle, New Orleans, like that realm of it late 90s early 2000s like that was sort of my core years watching but even at that point and certainly looking back at the new york seasons like it was always about i felt like honest conversations and you know really bringing empathy to the audience you know obviously later they touched on things like aids and uh, your season touched a lot on race uh, lgbt issues mm -hmm. are always kind of there like what is it about just the format of the show or the way that you guys participate in it that sort of forces those issues to the forefront, you think? Well, it's, it's, I, I really think it has to do with the different backgrounds that we all come to the table with and wanting to learn from each other. I think that that's, you know, I can, I can speak from my cast, and I think that we were all very interested in everyone's uh, viewpoint and their unique perspectives. And, and I don't think that's changed at all, if anything. I'm more interested in their perspectives and where they come from and what they're thinking now than I even did back then. I felt mm -hmm. then I was very self-involved in my own world and not that I wasn't interested, but because uh, I, because I really was, but I, I didn't have the, the maturity uh, uh, back in my early, you know, when I was 21 sure. as few people do. Right. <laughs> But uh, now I'm I'm just so thrilled to have had that experience with such a an interesting group of people from very different backgrounds that I could learn from, and as you said about empathy, 
I, it really did give me the opportunity to become much more empathetic than I even knew was possible. Right. Well, because you are just sort of forced into seeing all these different perspectives. And yeah, it's it can be eye-opening, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. I'm really curious, too, just about sort of the filming process, either for Homecoming or for the original series. Like, how much is the crew actually around you guys? And like, how are you are you sort of aware of when you need to be on and when you can sort of sit back? Or is it, you know, well, you know, the first season, the first season, I I understand is very different from all others. Uh We had a very structured schedule in the first season of real world and they would only film about 80 hours a week. Okay. Which, you know, and there were entire days, sometimes two, three days at a time that were dark. Uh No lights were on. No crew was in, was in the house and it was just us, you know, uh, and that, and that was, you know, normal. Um, nothing like now there was someone from the crew was there not just someone, uh, even a, a skeleton crew was there 24 seven. Oh, wow. In addition to a full crew, yeah. uh, most of the time, but even overnight there would be a skeleton crew there in case, just in case something happened. Yeah. So yeah, very different, uh, much more prepared for anything now. Uh, whereas before they, they missed a lot. Yeah. There, there was a, a very famous incidence of a fight between Kevin and Julie that happened while there was no crew there. I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I had a house in New Jersey uh, with my band at the time and I would spend half my time at the house <laughs> like That's a wild. fool. Why yeah. would I even, you know, it was a disgusting house with a bunch of, <laughs> you know, dudes like, why, what was I thinking? I had yeah. the, I had a beautiful loft in, in Manhattan that I could have been staying the whole time. But th- there, there was a lot of time where, they weren't uh, filming 24-7. And so to answer your question, it was very different this time as, as opposed to the, the, the original series. And, you know, they knew they had a, a very limited schedule, so they wanted to get as much as they could sure. this time around. Yeah. I guess just to wrap it up, I'm curious sort of like when you look back and, in you know, in 92, there were the seven of you that were sharing your lives and opening up every aspect and now everybody's doing that all day, every day on social media. And, you know, I don't know that you can necessarily draw a direct line from the real world to, you know, our oversharing culture. But I think there's definitely a dashed line there, if nothing else. Like, what are your thoughts on just sort of, you know, having been under that microscope at that time and now sort of that, that we're all subjecting ourselves to that willingly? Isn't it crazy? Isn't it just the craziest thing? And, and yeah, it's, uh, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, at the time, uh, well, okay, so when the last time, before any, any talk of the reunion, um, I ran into Julie and Heather and Eric and Norman were here in L.A., doing something for another network okay. and um, they called me up and we, we met for dinner and I was, I brought up to them how, look, if Trump gets reelected, we need to do a public service announcement, apologizing for <laughs> unleashing this hell yeah. onto the public. It was, you know, it's not our fault. We didn't, right. to, we were not actively trying to destroy the world. We were just, you know, shooting a silly show and, you know, it's it's funny because 
it's not something we really ever thought would be so common place to have people just oversharing everything like this. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> not everyone should share everything. Right. I mean, you know, I, 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 I read people's ridiculous postings on, on social media and I'm, I'm just like, I didn't want to know this. Yeah. And now I think less of you because of it. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I often find some inconvenient truths about friends that I did not want to know. And now that I know them, I can't put the genie back in that bottle. And right. I just uh, wish I didn't know that about you, but now I do. So yeah. it's, a, it's a weird thing to have kind of been a catalyst for. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I don't know that it's, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know that I want that on my tombstone, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I have no choice. So there you go. <laughs> All right, there we go. Andre Como. The Real World Homecoming is streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. You can also go on there and watch every season of The Real World. So if you want to get your fix on any of those old seasons, go back, check it out. Don't forget, I have the Quarantine Creatives newsletter. You can sign up for that on my website, heathrasella.com. Enter your email address there. That comes out every Sunday. It recaps the shows. So if you missed anything, it's always fun to check that out. And make sure you hit the subscribe button to get new episodes in your feed in your favorite podcast player. New episodes are every Thursday of Quarantine Creatives. I am at heathrasella on Twitter and Instagram. I will talk to you guys next week. Hang in there. Get the vaccine. Keep your masks on. Stay safe.